Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams and I, are recording this week's episode on Tuesday morning, April 25th, 2023. Right now, out in Las Vegas, in fact, CinemaCon is going on right now. And in fact, our buddy Drew Taylor will be there on Thursday. He'll be wearing his Light the Fuse hat. They're going to be showing during the Paramount presentation that morning, supposedly a good chunk of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So uh, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to tell us about that on the ground, you know, what it's like to be there on the ground. But you had heard about the Sony Columbia Pictures stuff that just got revealed last night during the the first uh, you know full day of CinemaCon. Yeah, the first thing that really caught my attention was the fact that they had made mention that uh, Rhino showed up mm-hmm. for a, a brief second glimpse of, uh, I, I guess, him transforming into Rhino, if that's the thing they're doing now with that character. Again, supposedly the folks who attended CinemaCon then in the Sony presentation were shown the teaser trailer for Craven. And as Aaron just referenced, that I guess there's actually a line in this thing that uh, I want to make sure I get the name of the actor. Alessandro Nivola. There we go. All right. And supposedly he says a line to the effect of, do you ever wonder why they call me Rhino? And and yes, as you mentioned, you know, supposedly you you watch his arm turn gray as as part of this trailer. So I'm kind of intrigued. So this this means no mechanical suit, which, you know, there's a part of me that's sad about this because I really, I mean, I know there's not a lot of love out there for the amazing Spider-Man 2 from 2014. But I have to admit, I really enjoyed Paul Giamatti's over-the-top scenery-chewing mm-hmm. version of Rhino. And honestly, the last two minutes of that movie where Peter Parker basically finishes mourning for Gwen Stacy and puts back on the suit and gets back on the job protecting New York, that's chef's kiss to me. I Those two minutes, I, I'm willing to overlook everything that's shaky about that film. I had the I had complete inverse of that because for me it was mm-hmm. like being on a date with your favorite sweetheart you're in the car and she's like hey let's jump in the back seat and you jump in the back seat and then she shakes your hand says good night and then leaves and you're like hey wait a minute that's not what I was promised not that there was any promises made but you know you indicated you implied you hinted and uh, and then it was just good night and credits roll <laughs> All right, you do have a point. I, I I will say that much. But on the other hand, did you see where the gentleman who's actually playing Craven, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson? There we go. In a short little bit of audio, introducing this trailer. Is it going to be an R-rated Marvel movie? F and A. It's an R-rated R Marvel movie. So it's supposed to be gory. It's supposed to be violent kind of interesting don't you think no no i'm still upset that the rhino changes form on command i mean the original thing about the rhino was he was a dude Mm -hmm. stuck in a suit he couldn't get out and and now the fact that he's you know just changes that will is like well that's not the character at all but whatever they're they're gonna go do their own morbius sony thing and make Mm -hmm. whatever the other thing okay so if you go to imdb alessandra nivola Mm -hmm. is still not listed as the rhino quote unquote they've got a lot Mm -hmm. of actors some of them are guard prison guard and Mm -hmm. prisoner one and prisoner two stuff like that so 
not a lot of details to glean from that, but they do have one actress, uh, Ariana DeBose, who's playing Calypso. And Calypso is a like a voodoo witch. Mm-hmm. So for me, as I'm cruising through IMDb, it's like, well, they're willing to give up the fact that Calypso, a very unknown Marvel mm-hmm. villain uh, who was from the olden days, just makes makes an appearance. And they're like, OK, sharing that obviously going to hide the rhino. I wonder if there's anything else beyond that that they're hiding. Because there are other no. other. If you think about Craven versus a rhino, that makes sense as a hunter versus an animal. Certainly, certainly. there are other characters mm-hmm. like that in the Spider-Man mythos that that mm-hmm. could play that that type of uh, antagonist for for Craven, I suppose. This trailer was unveiled for the folks who were at you know the exhibitors who go to CinemaCon. Also worth noting that as part of the presentation last night, they also also showed them fourteen minutes of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which we now know is is set a year after the events we saw in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So that's a gimme, isn't it? Putting the Craven trailer out in front of uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? I mean, it, it's hard. You would think so, as long as they've got footage enough to cobble together to make it look interesting. You know, it, it mm-hmm. really depends on where they're at with, you know, special effects or, or whatever they want to tease. Some things they'll want to keep secret. But during mm-hmm. the uh, CinemaCon, didn't Sony say that they had 23 movies due to come out in the calendar year of 2023? Don't they yeah, have many but, opportunities to plug their stuff wherever they, they see fit? I know the, this is the Spider-Man thing is this a good is fit, hand-in-glove, perfect mm-hmm. fit. Yep. But they, mm-hmm. they still have a plethora of opportunities to drop Craven wherever they darn well please. So we'll see uh, where the first trailer actually drops. What's kind of intriguing about the whole Sony situation is, for example... The Spider-Man stuff and and Craven and for that matter Venom, those come out under their Columbia Pictures division. So just kind of interesting to see which brand they will use to hype which product, to, or excuse me, which project. So look forward again to seeing what else, what other news comes out, because the big Disney presentation uh, isn't going to be held for a couple of days yet, and uh, hopefully we'll get some MCU news coming out of that one. But uh, speaking of news, uh, the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So, as our friend Mr. Testa likes to say, every show should begin with a healthy round of self-congratulations. So, on last week's uh, episode of MUD, you and I were discussing the Victorio Alonso situation. Uh, Victoria was the longtime president of physical and post-production visual effects and animation production at Marvel Studios, and she got Tucker carlson And on the heels of that, Victoria turned around and hired Patty Glazer, a high-power L.A. attorney, to go after executives at Disney and Marvel for wrongful termination. And I mentioned that on the heels of Fox News making its big settlement with uh, Dominion, I thought it was kind of likely that Disney and Marvel would opt to settle with with Ms. Alonzo. And and sure enough, this past Thursday, April 20th, all parties involved announced that they had come to terms. Variety revealing that Victoria had received uh, a multi-million dollar settlement. Mm. There is still the question about 
her memoir. Possibility is your superpower. Unlock your endless potential, which all proceeds from the sale of this book were supposed to benefit St. Jude's Hospital. It was supposed to originally hit store shelves Tuesday, May 2nd. And I've heard from, from friends at Disney, these books were published. They were not only published, there was an edition that was translated into Spanish. And they're all sitting in a warehouse. Uh, they were all supposed to go out to Amazon and the Barnes and Nobles of the world weeks ago and be ready to hit the shelves on May 2nd. Wait a minute. Hold on. I've got an image. It's like, it's like okay. remember when the Joker's sitting on a huge mountain of money with gasoline and a lighter? That's Bob Iger right now going, play my game! Or it all goes up in flames. <laughs> maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh. Something like that? Anything? Well. <laughs> Probably not. The book was supposed to come out through Disney's Hyperion Avenue publishing arm. And there were appearances scheduled at, at major bookstores. I mean, all signings all over the country. And 17 months from now, in fact, uh, September 4th, 2024, is when supposedly possibility is your superpower will uh, finally arrive in stores and I i'm just wondering at this point how all of those sections that talk about how marvel is a wonderful place to work are, are gonna play you think it's gonna be a heavily redacted book with hand-drawn black lines through certain sentences i don't know <laughs> you know in fact this is the hardcover that's done right. and supposedly there's much debate at disney about to the fact that well do we just pulp this i mean you know because she's obviously going to want to write an additional chapter or something like that no i mean so it's, it's like, already it's already printed right and it's not like when she yeah. wrote the original it was like these guys are a bunch of bastards yeah, she yeah, was she yeah. was polite. She had her her corporate face on mm -hmm. when the book was written. Mm -hmm. So, and mm -hmm. obviously, Disney knows what's inside the covers mm -hmm. of that of that book. They have copies of it. They can read it. They know what's there. There's nothing damaging. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the you know there wouldn't be it wouldn't be published there. Okay. So the only thing I can think of right now mm -hmm. for this date is mm -hmm. maybe somewhere in mm -hmm. the legal agreement there is a, mm -hmm. uh, a you can't say anything clause for like a year or uh, the this disparagement clause yeah okay there yeah. could be something like that or simply you mm -hmm. know disney did put it on hold because there was this legal battle and and so sure it didn't ship so now it's late okay so now you need a mm -hmm. new date to release it and mm -hmm. hey maybe we've got a hole in september of 2024 with our publishing arm that doesn't have anything and we can okay. use this to plug that Okay. Again, I love your positive spin on this. Okay. And uh, speaking of positive spin and also things that are happening in 2024, that's when Deadpool 3 is due to arrive in theaters November 8th of that year. Uh, did you see where Ryan Reynolds uh, recently sat down with ET Canada to talk about how he finally persuaded Hugh Jackman to, to come be a part of this project? Mm -hmm. A six-year-long effort to hear kind of Ryan tell the story. In fact, here's a direct quote. He said, I never stopped. I was just pestering him like a gnat over the past many years. And so what complicated the situation was Logan, the 10th X-Men movie uh, released by 20th Century Fox. When this James Mangold movie came out in February 2017, and, and I mean, universally acclaimed, and many considered it to be the perfect cap for Jackman's then 17-year-long stint playing Wolverine. And Jackman himself you know, seemed to accept that idea and, and wanted to go out on a high note. But 
which of course made it kind of challenging for Ryan. You know, the, Mr. Reynolds had to persuade Jackman to once again strap on those adamantium claws. And but it, as, as Ryan told ET Canada, I believe in timing. And I think Hugh was ready to revisit this character. And what we pitched him was enough of a divergence from the character that he played in Logan, that that version of Wolverine that, uh, that Hugh had left behind. And, and what we're doing with Deadpool is giving Hugh something completely new to play. And he's excited to get started on this project. I hope to God they put him in the yellow costume. I mean, there would, would, they be. would be so different from anything we've got. And that's all we bitched about was, when are we going to get the yellow costume? And they had a deleted scene from one of the Wolverine solo movies where he got a case, mm-hmm. a briefcase, with the yellow costume in it. And then it was never brought mm-hmm. up again. And, and everyone's like, put on the damn yellow costume. If they do that, and you know, and remember, they've been talking about how the X-Men will be folded into the MCU fairly shortly. That'd be a really smart way to introduce that classic look, don't you well, think? Well, no, it would also differentiate it from the previous Fox incarnations of Wolverine. It's like, yeah, we all get the fact that, you know, there's multiple Kangs all played by the same actor from many multiverses. So, of course, we get a Wolverine that looks like Hugh Jackman again, but it's a different one. And how do we know it's mm. different? Because he's rocking this crazy-ass canary yellow suit that the other one Excellent never would have worn, and he behaves much differently. So we get aspects of the character that we already are know and familiar with actually you know what it would be really mm-hmm. jacked up if they went uh daniel craig uh casino royale bond with them where he goes to the bar and he's like i'll take a martini and they're like shaking her stir and he's like do i look like i give a damn and you're like hey wait a minute that's not what he says and then he introduces himself he's like hi my name's james bond and you're like hold it one damn minute <laughs> stop the projector I need to have a word. It, it throws you off balance from what you're mm-hmm. expecting. You know, you have expectations mm-hmm. with the Bond character. So that whole film was a, a play against that. This could be one of those mm-hmm. things where Jackman goes, all right, you know what I always wanted to do with Wolverine that I never could? And they get to do that with us. Could be a whole lot of fun. Okay. Well, we will know more uh, shortly. Uh, production of Deadpool 3 is supposed to get underway next month on May 22nd, and this MCU film will be shot at Pinewood Studios in London, as well as up in Vancouver. While we're doing updates here, Aaron, I, uh, man, I, I wish I had better news on the Jonathan Majors front, but on the heels of the, the news we shared last week that Majors' talent agency and PR team uh, were cutting ties with this performer, likewise, the number of projects that he had in the works for the next year or so that were suddenly put on hold. Uh, There's since come news in the trades that additional women have come forward uh, with allegations of domestic violence toward Jonathan. And the New York Post uh, just this past week actually named the young woman at the center of the story, the the one with the minor injuries to her head and her neck. And we're not going to share her name on this podcast, but from the info that's out there, you, you suddenly understand why Disney and Marvel Studios have been treading really lightly and moving you know very slowly when it comes to the Jonathan Major situation. I wouldn't say treading lightly. I say radio silent altogether. They have not said one word, have they? One way or the other? There's a reason for well, that. Well, absolutely. That this, but I mean, yeah, they're okay. they're just silent, mm-hmm. perfectly silent, because they don't want to actually raise any attention that they've got him coming up and some stuff because it's too late to refilm it. Unless they decide well, to spend a shitload of money and refilm it. 
Okay, there, there's a, a secondary issue, though. This 30-year-old woman was once a Marvel Studios employee. In, in fact, you, you can see her name in the credits of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. She was a movement coach on that movie. So once you understand that, you begin to appreciate the situation that Disney and Marvel find themselves in right now. I mean, they have... They obviously want to protect their already sizable investment in Jonathan Majors. As you just mentioned, there's everything that was shot for Loki 2, and let alone the fact that Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania just became available as a digital download last week, and, and you know the Blu-ray and DVD goes on sale early next month. There's also, and it's one of these things where it's like, who is releasing this news? You know, and why is it being put out there? The news this past week came out that Jonathan Majors' payday for Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, should he continue in the role, is $20 million. And for that news to be out there at this moment, you know, you have to figure, what are the, the execs at Disney and, and Marvel thinking right now? Especially when you take into consider the tens of thousands of women who work for both of these companies who aren't going to be happy if in order to protect all the money that they've already spent on Jonathan Majors, that if they opt to throw this this thirty year old movement coach under the bus, no, I think I think Disney has got to at least show that they protect their employees from from harm mm. against other employees, right? Yeah. You, you have to you, at the very least you have to do that and let it go to court and let the chips fall where they may, and then you know if if Jonathan Majors is found guilty and and it you know, all of these other charges are also added into that, then obviously I think that they're going to fire them. But there's mm-hmm. also got to be like at some point, some understanding of they can't, I mean, they, they could refilm all of the stuff. Financially, mm-hmm. it would be maybe irresponsible to refilm all of the stuff because of the, you know, the mm-hmm. extra costs that would go on top. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, at what point, you know, how much do you got to cut yourself in order to sever the tie? I don't I don't know what to tell you. I mean, what's interesting to talk with folks at Disney and and Marvel is that they don't start shooting the Kang Dynasty till spring of next year. But in the movie business, that's 15 minutes from now. I mean, you you know, they they are boarding things. They are picking locations. They're, you know, approving costumes. I mean, there's, there's things are already moving on Kang Dynasty, largely because of the interconnected aspect of the Marvel movies. And it's just the whole notion of Disney and Marvel are tapping the brakes to the effect of, okay, let's see what the authorities in New York City, you know, learn from these other women who are coming forward. Uh, but, but at the same time as you're tapping the brakes, you've got, you know, this giant project, which is supposed to be the equivalent of Infinity War to Endgame. You know, it sets up two giant films. You know, the, I mean, face it, you've got Kang Dynasty, and then the, the very next year you're supposed to have the Secret War. And you've been building for years toward that story. And it's like... Yeah, but from, from there on, we also have that multiverse thing that can answer all of our problems ever so quickly by going, oh, look, this Kang's a different looking one. You know what they could do? They could just recast mm-hmm. it with 10 different actors and go, that's a Kang, that's a Kang, that's a Kang, here a Kang, there a Kang, everywhere a Kang, Kang. Oh, you're a Kang. Mm-hmm. I'm a Kang. 
Wouldn't you like to be a Kang too? Dr. Kang. I'm getting them all mixed there, up. There you go. All right. Well, let the, let's see what happens there. On the other hand, last week we were also talking about how Palm Clan Antif uh, was in Korea. She's the, the actress who plays Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, and then she was over there, uh, you know, beginning promotion for this James Gunn movie. And by the way, if, if you're shopping this week, you can actually also spot Palm in the cereal aisle of your local grocery store. They've done this cross promotion where Mantis is on the front of every Honey Nut Cheerio box, right along with Busby. By the way, that's that's the official name of the cartoon mascot in the Honey Nut Cheerios commercials. And if you you revolve the box, there's this this amazing giant image of the Guardians. In fact, it's the whole cast except uh, Gamora. Just this weird little bit of cross-promotion, but intended to remind everybody that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 uh, arrives in theaters next week on, on May 5th. Uh, by the way, friends who work in PR at Disney and Marvel reach out to say that Palm's appearance in Korea was part of the Guardians Global Tour, uh, which continued just this past Saturday, April 22nd, when the cast of Volume 3, along with James Gunn, took part in a special European gala, which was held in the Avengers campus at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. In fact, there's this great photo of the whole cast up on that elevated feature of the land where they have the Quinjet parked, but it's them standing up there as they're doing a daytime fireworks display with the Guardian's colors in the background. It's, it's a really sweet picture worth checking out. Also, if you're headed over to Disneyland Paris this summer uh, or the spring into the summer, visitors to the Disneyland Paris Resort will have the opportunity to enjoy new experiences that celebrate Guardians of the Galaxy. This will include special food and beverages, merch, and even appearances of Star-Lord and Gamora, again, over in the Avengers campus. And there is a new log line out for this James Gunn movie that kind of gives some stuff away. So... If you feel strongly about this issue, I would jump ahead in the show about 30 seconds and we're going to wait here for a sec for people to do that. And okay, this is the description that Disney Studios has made available for folks who want to learn more about this new MCU film. In Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, our beloved band of misfits are settling into life on Nowhere. But it isn't long before their lives are upended by echoes of Rocket's turbulent past. Peter Quill, still reeling from the loss of Gamora, must rally his team around him on a dangerous mission to save Rocket's life. A mission that, if not completed successfully, could possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. Well, that's a big nothing burger. Well, people that were people. skipped ahead 30 seconds, go 30 seconds back. Go ahead and listen to it. It's it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, we got that from the, the little TV trailers or TV spots that have been running. Uh, Rocket Wee. is the thing. And, and the what's the name of the, the big baddie that's this one? The Oh, Adam Warlock, I want to no. no, 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 no. I know who you're talking about. Yes. the uh, In fact, he made the uh, his appearance 
at uh, Comic Con last um, yeah. last year. It's like the know it all yeah. or the the, the yes. yeah whatever. He's but he's the guy that made Rocket, and he seems mm-hmm. incredibly arrogant and know it all ish and mm-hmm. whatever. It's almost like um, it's like almost like mm-hmm. Grand Admiral Thrawn or something from from the Star Wars universe just plucked into a, an MCU environment. It seems like <laughs> it's just very in, is smart and brilliant, and I will defeat you with my brain. <laughs> That'd be a wonderful twofer. Probably save money for both Marvel and uh, uh, Lucasfilm. Yeah. Oh, something else from folks who've been to advanced screenings of this MCU film. Want to warn parents with very small children that uh, Guardians Volume 3 actually features Peter Quill dropping a completely uncensored F-bomb. Oh, we were wondering who it was going to be. We read the I read the article or the headline that that an f bomb yep. would indeed be dropped, mm-hmm. and then my wife and yep. I debated for the next half hour as to who's it going to be. Like, well, it's not Gamora because mm-hmm. she's not even really there. Drax, I don't even yep. think knows the word because it's a human thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, Peter was young when he left Earth, but Rocket, yep. for, it seemed like for some reason, was the logical choice to drop the f bomb. So it's mm-hmm. kind of surprising to find out it's Peter. It's the first in the MCU 15-year history. Now, uh, worth noting that they've come close before. If you remember how both Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home ended, you know. We, yeah, they had a what the... F- there we go. There we no, go. No, we also thought it would be hilarious if it would have mm-hmm. been Groot that just dropped a single one-word F-bomb. That's the other thing. Supposedly in Volume 2, if you're interpreting you know the way Groot is talking that that evidently there's an I am Groot that that gets really close to an F-bomb I wonder if if we watch with subtitles do you think the Groot mm-hmm. translates to English uh, I wonder I'm gonna have to go look now and, and play some of the Guardians with subtitles on by the way it is so interesting you you bring up Groot because that brings us to our next news item something that that floated up on Twitter over the past week uh, as they're out doing publicity for volume three and the word was that if you factor in the three Guardians movies, the holiday special, the two theme park attractions, as well as the I Am Groot animated series, Vin Diesel has allegedly received $54 million to voice Groot, which again, it, you know. The one line. Yeah. The one line. Yeah. Um, now, again, what I love about James Gunn is he immediately got on Twitter and it just quickly posted a not true pointedly did not share the real amount that diesel has been played uh, paid for saying those three words and and speaking of three words Aaron and I will be back after these messages by the way a uh, quick follow-up uh, on both that uh, uh, Jonathan Majors supposedly being paid $20 million if he gets to play Kang in the Kang Dynasty. Likewise, the $54 million that uh, Vin Diesel was rumored to get to, to voice Groot for all of the Guardians projects. To put that in perspective, according to Forbes, after Avengers Endgame, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was paid a $20 million salary up front 
but also was contractually obligated to receive a cut of the the worldwide box office. Which translated to all of the tea in China. On the other hand, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, and Scarlett Johansson uh, were supposedly paid closer to $15 million each for their work in Endgame. Uh, and Paul Rudd made eight, but evidently uh, his payday for Quantum Mania uh, did help make that up. Well, he was Ant Man. He's smaller. They're like, you get paid by scale. <laughs> Here's seven bucks, kid. Put on the suit. <laughs> Duly noted. We all thought okay. scale meant something. When when actors get paid for scale, we always thought it meant a completely different thing. No, it's how tall you are on screen. So yeah, he gets the I least. I did not know. Yep. I did not know this. Okay. Anyway, we we previously been talking about Avengers: The Kang Dynasty, which of course will be followed by Avengers: Secret War in 2026, which is supposed to be feature a plethora of MCU performers, both, you know, the folks who appeared in the, the 20th century projects. Likewise, in fact, I, I think I was just seeing mentioned that Tom Holland as part of his deal to continue with Disney is, is going to show up in uh, Secret War. But the questions come up, about who's actually going to be coming back for this movie? And reportedly at this point, Scarlett Johansson will not be coming back. In a recent appearance on the Goop podcast, the MCU's Black Widow poo-pooed the idea that she'd be reprising uh, this role for any upcoming Avengers project. Here's a direct quote from Scarlett. I'm done. Yes, I'm done. Chapter is over. I did all that I had to do. Which isn't to say that Johansson didn't enjoy the opportunity to play Natasha in a bunch of MCU films. As she stated uh, at another point in this Goop podcast interview, uh, coming back and playing a character again and again like that over a decade of time was, was such a unique experience. Whereas Gwyneth Paltrow, who's the actual host of the Goop podcast, uh, when asked if she'd ever come back to the MCU to play Pepper Potts, she had a far more pragmatic response. She was like, I think so. I mean, my character didn't die, so they can always ask me. So Feige's at least got that in his back pocket. Gwyneth never even realized she was in a Spider-Man movie, for crying out loud. She was on her way across the street from Starbucks. And they're like, hey, Gwyneth, come here. We're, we're going to call you Pepper for five minutes. And she's like, huh? Okay, whatever. And then they're like, so Pepper, yeah. what do you think about this? That's great. Okay, bye. I, I, I remember that story. Yes. I mean, by the way, speaking of Spider-Man movies, just last week, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, and The Amazing Spider-Man all became available for viewing, downloading at, at Disney+. Plus. Uh, this happened back on Friday, April 21st, and evidently involved months of negotiation with Sony. Also worth noting that on Friday, May 12th, Spider-Man Homecoming and the first Venom movie will become available for viewing on that streaming service. No word yet on when Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man No Way Home will become available for downloading uh, off of Disney+. Plus. But Spider-Man Homecoming being available on that streaming service as of May 12th, that's a really good sign. This is a, a money thing. Well, obviously it's a money thing, but... Mm -hmm. uh, bear with me just for one second. Sony has been playing Sweet Sea Pie with Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. They've been shoveling all of their Spider-Man series and, and movies and such over to to Amazon. The Silk Spider mm -hmm. thing is an Amazon thing. I, I know there is an, another one I can't recall off the top of my head, but yeah, there there was more than one. Mm -hmm. And so 
you would think, hey, we've got a whole spider universe. Let's put it in one big pile, right? And if they're building mm-hmm. that pile right now over at Amazon, it seems mighty weird to suddenly shove it over a, a chunk of it over to Disney. And obviously Disney wants it because it's part of their cohesive story mm-hmm. of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're going to want their character. I don't know how long the rights are going to last, how long they're going to be able to have these things up for. It's obviously borrowed for a limited time with for a, a large pile of cash. But it also had to be part of the hardball tactics of like, hey, man, if you really want Spider-Man 4 to go forward, you need us to be involved in it. And in order for us to be involved in it, check this box, which in- mm-hmm. says, give me my Spider-Man stuff on Disney Plus for six months. I don't think you're wrong here. I think if we look at the deal that Warner has made with Peacock, uh, USA Network, uh, those folks mm. for the Harry Potter films, and how just recently with the launch of Max, they've been hyping the fact that, hey, you want to watch Harry Potter, this is the only place you can see all eight movies together, plus the the Care of Magical Creatures movies. Right. So I think you're not wrong, especially when it comes to these big franchise films that you know have multiple installments they are you know a a high value product and frankly we cut this deal with you for you know four five six years but you know then the rights revert to us and we can sell them to somebody else oh uh spider-man noir was the other series that was going to be going Ah. over to amazon and the thing is you know they spent a billion dollars or whatever doing their lord of the rings project Mm -hmm. uh i don't know how much cash that is being exchanged here but thank goodness they've got bezos money to <laughs> freaking blow in the wind on on all these various projects trying to gather eyeballs speaking of gathering eyeballs we've just completed phase four of the mcu and it's part of the thing when you introduce characters is you want to make sure they resonate and you get that by making sure that these movies move out onto other platforms so for example next month we're going to see shang chi and the legend of the ten rings it's actually going to show up on abc as a wonderful world of disney movie night uh that'll be thursday may 25th and then we're going to see uh shang chi show up at fx likewise on freeform that's uh may 28th all the way to the middle of june the the 22nd of june so just kind of interesting that Shang-Chi is being walked out that away, uh, especially when you consider that May is sweeps months. I mean, a huge, huge, huge part of how the advertising rates that the, the networks get for commercials is determined. So the fact that, you know, let's drop, in fact, I want to say sweeps ends like a day or two after May 25th. So going to be interesting to see what that gets. Oh, oh, and as long as we're marking the calendar, we were talking earlier about Loki 2 and whether or not that's going to be impacted by what's going on with Jonathan Majors. Both Owen Wilson and uh, Marvel insider KC Walsh have talked up the fact that as far as they know, the second season of this limited series will be showing up on Disney Plus starting in September. Which now uh, brings us to the big news about uh, the the original news that was coming out of Marvel in regard to the Fantastic Four film is that they were thinking, okay, we need to settle on our Sue Storm and then build backwards from there. 
Sue is the, you know, literally the heart of the team. And so we need the right actress there. And then we can cast Reed Richards, the Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm around Sue. But just in the past day or so, news has broken that Adam Driver is in talks with Marvel to play Mr. Fantastic. And they are supposedly really looking hard at four actresses. Uh, the names that have come up are Vanessa Kirby, Mila Kunis, Allison Williams, and a Jodie Comer. But there seems to have been a pivot to the effect of stepping away from let's start with Sue to let's see if we can get an A-lister for Reed Richards. So what are your thoughts about Adam Driver? Well, I guess it's a good thing they didn't try and cast him as Dr. Doom because wouldn't that just be Kylo Ren in a different suit of armor? That would have been very, I think, reductive of of their Mm -hmm. formula and in a bad way. So then you go, okay, well, then if we can't use him as Doom, then what do we do? Well, the exact Mm -hmm. opposite of that is Reed Richards. So Mm -hmm. not surprising, Mm -hmm. honestly. Just just going by, he's a talented actor. He's already done man in armor villain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What if we flip the coin? That, that's easy. In fact, when we were talking about him potentially as Dr. Doom, wasn't that in association with Captain America New World Order? Which, by the way, if you've been looking at that between President Ross by Harrison Ford and Betty Ross, the, um, in fact, uh, I, I, I'm blanking the name. Oh, was it Liv Tyler, Betsy Ross? Liv Tyler, yeah, that, that she's coming back and likewise... The villain from her Hulk movie. Is that like uh, Mastermind or something? I can't remember there what we his go. villain name was. Was it Mastermind? Uh, yeah, I, it was I don't Mastermind. remember. He, yeah. he had a big brain. Yeah, but it's just, it's kind of fascinating that New <laughs> new World Order, in, in a strange sort of way, is, is really kind of a Hulk It's movie. the Incredible Hulk Part 2, but skirting the universal issue by putting it under uh, the Captain America banner. There we go. There yeah. we go. Going to be see interesting if Mark Ruffalo just swings through for a couple of minutes. But. So the the females that you listed here for the possible casting of Sue Storm are these the females that they would like to pair if they had a, a, an Adam Driver already cast, or were these girls that they were considering as Sue before the Adam Driver thing? Supposedly, it's on a separate track. That they, they were looking at at the females, but evidently this Adam Driver thing suddenly became a possibility. I don't know if it came out of the conversations, uh, you know, about possibly casting him as Dr. Doom, but suddenly, you know, literally in the last week to 10 days, it just sort of blew up. And so going to be really kind of interesting to see who ends up. And then if they nail Adam Driver into place first, does it then become, okay, we have to pick a Sue that compliments him? Sure, yeah. One final thing before we close out this week's show. I I don't know if you saw, there was a, a piece that I, I think was over on BuzzFeed where it was like, it was a story that sort of toggled back and forth between actors who turned down parts versus actors who eventually regretted accepting roles. And, and one of the people who talked about how she regretted taking a role was Jessica Alba, uh, particularly when it came to the Fantastic Four sequel from 2007, Rise of the Silver Surfer, where she it, it made no bones about the fact that it, it was just an absolutely miserable 
experience that she was working with a director at that point who was telling her things to the the effect of Jessica I need you to cry prettier forget about the emotional you know the actual motion you're trying to play here I I want it to look pretty so can you cry prettier there was a scene it was like in the I don't know if it was the first one or the second one doesn't matter but Mm -hmm. this is like one of the reasons why I just passionately have some dislike for certain things about the movies so Mm -hmm. Jessica Alba's ability is to turn invisible Mm -hmm. Right. There's an accident on the bridge. It's too crowded mm-hmm. for anybody to get there. And Mr. Fantastic, the most intelligent man on planet Earth, tells mm-hmm. Jessica Alba's character, the invisible woman, that she has to get naked, then turn invisible because that will help her get through the crowd that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get through if you were visible and clothed. And I think that is the dumbest thing ever put in a script. And there should have been at least a line of 50 people at the director's door going, who the f*** wrote this? And what kind of crap are they smoking? Because that is just like plot hole city. Like, hey, how can we get this actress naked for half of a scene? That's what that was. Wow, I, I seem to have forgotten that. Part. Yeah, when when you watch it back, it will. It, it's like it ages so poorly today. You know, in the in the whole uh, Me Too movement type, you watch it and yeah. you go, "That was someone who wanted to see an actress naked on set for a day." That's what oh. that was. Well, just to sort of bring things full circle here, I wonder if the four young ladies who are are up for this role, having heard what Jessica said about playing Sue Storm, whether or not that this is making any of them perhaps hesitate to, to, to take on the part. They're all but, actresses. Uh, they've they've all been put through the meat ringer and, and invited to do horrible things for jobs, and I hope all of them mm-hmm. got a chance to say no thank you and turn around and walk away and still get employment. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they're in Hollywood. It's sleazy and grimy every corner you step on, so uh, they're, they're adults and hopefully living their fullest life without being preyed upon by stupid execs. Speaking of of sleazy and grimy sides of the, of the business and and dealing with difficult uh, executives, again, Madison Avenue is also a, a place that that has folks like this, and uh, which is something that you explore with your brand new podcast, Thirty Second Street. Yeah. So. Uh, can you, you tell us what, what you guys are, are covering this week over on that show? Yeah, on Patreon's Paid For show, we are covering the uh, the the spokesperson, the celebrity spokesperson. You know, where they say, hey, I'm Tom Selleck, and a reverse mortgage isn't a way to take your home. It's a way to take your home. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did I say that out loud? Let me try that again. Yeah, does it help? Does it help? It actually can quite a bit if you're a small company. You're just trying to get some notoriety. You didn't throw a celebrity mm-hmm. on there because celebrity's not going to endorse uh, something that's not worth their while, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so you can you can influence something, whether you're selling garbage in a can. You know, oh, mm-hmm. Tom Selleck's endorsing garbage in a can. Honey, do we have any garbage in a can? I think we need some. Mm-hmm. And uh, voila. So, yeah, we talk about the spokesperson, the influence it has on the consumer and such on the most current 32nd Street podcast. That's got to be fascinating to listen to, especially on the heels of Army recruitment thing that, that Jonathan Majors did. Likewise, the what the Texas Ranger deal mm-hmm. that he had that, that fell through. Well, that's that, actually you know, the the next episode is the anti spokesperson when your spokesperson goes bad, and mm-hmm. that's like your Jared from Subway and and oh, uh, yes. yeah. There's a lot of 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So those those are the next two shows coming up. Sneak peek for you Ooh, there. Can't can't wait. Can't wait. Okay. And and um, speaking of, of other shows, you 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 might want to check out. We we do have a couple other podcasts here at Jim Hill Media. We got of course Disney Dish that I do with Lintesto. We have uh, Fine Tuning I do with Drew Taylor. Who uh, gonna we'll, we'll record a new show after he gets back from Vegas. Brian Gunn and I are working on a brand new Looking at Lucasfilm. Hopefully that'll be out the door shortly. Aaron, can you let the nice folks know where they can find you on social media? I am still without a blue check mark on Twitter at Azaprod, A Z A P R O D. Um, I am also without a blue check mark over on Twitter. Uh, likewise at Instagram, I can, uh, under the name Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Finally, folks, if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, not just a podcast you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, but if you could also put in a, a kind word for 30 Seconds Street, that would be helpful as well. Uh, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, if you want to head over to Bandcats and subscribe, that would be cool. And I think that's going to do it for this week, Aaron. So, um, but like I said, uh, CinemaCon is continuing in Las Vegas. The big Disney day is later this week. So hopefully we'll have some more MCU related news on the heels of that. Uh, but till then, thanks for listening. <laughs>